Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. The blues, an incredibly important part of American history and a genre that has become the foundation for practically every type of modern music ever made, including rock and roll, rhythm and blues, jazz, and even hip-hop. On today's episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to explore the more than 150-year history of the blues. We're going to visit the plantations and juke joints of the Deep South and follow African Americans as they moved out of the region and took the blues with them to places like Memphis, St. Louis, and Chicago, where it went electric and became the foundation for rock and roll. We're going to talk about the musicians behind the songs, sexually empowered women who sang raunchy lyrics a hundred years ago, a sharecropper who inspired the Rolling Stones, a mysterious singer named the Mass Marvel, a famous bluesman who was discovered while spending time in prison for murder, and a man who may have sold his soul to the devil in exchange for his guitar skills. This is by far the most ambitious episode we've ever tackled, so let's get rocking. Yeah. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 21. We're legal. Woo! Yeah. I am Bruce Buttermilk Kramer, and I'm joined tonight by Blind Ryan McCusker and Screaming Doug McCusker. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Are T- you rocking out there? Tonight, we got the blues. Oh, the blues. The blues run deep with me, I'll tell you that. The Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia. We are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So, every week, man, I feel like I say, I don't know how we're going to cover this one. And now we're where like, where do you start? Let's, I mean, yeah, let's I, do- I, I said that at dinner tonight. I was like, oh, man, like, where do we even start with this? This has like, other than classical music, this probably has the longest history of any form of music. Oh, sure. Right? Well, it's the original, right? Yeah, it precedes rock and roll and jazz and yeah, rhythm and blues. and It's the beginning of everything. I learned so much doing this episode. So I read two books. And I watched uh, like a two-hour documentary on the blues because I've always like I've known a little bit, but like a little bit to be dangerous, but not like I like that a little bit go, to be dangerous. Yeah, I didn't I like go that. like really deep on it, and I, I I really really enjoyed doing the research for this. I played in a blues band for a good ten years, so a lot of these songs that we're looking at are um, a lot of songs that I played in this band. So That's it was really cool. Really great to hear yeah, the you, standards of this. And you mentioned that a couple times, like as we were, you know, we put together the playlist during the week and we're sharing some ideas and a couple of the songs you you mentioned playing in a band, stuff that I was like, I've never heard this. This is awesome. Oh yeah. We we were uh, a blues cover band called the Albina Red Band. And we did um a whole Delta first set, and then we got heavier as a second set with blues, and then we did a third set full of blues rock and roll i think the way we're going to tackle this is kind of like what you were just saying too like maybe we're going to do first we're going to talk about the delta blues and then we're going to talk about the electric style blues because we were kind of struggling too like how do you even tackle this because it is like i mean the roots of this go back to before the civil war sure so i guess maybe we just start man we start at the really really beginning and and I went into kind of like doing some research, like from a technical aspect. What is what is the blues? The blues is a way of life. It is right, and it was more than like you know. I was reading about like the music. I mean, you guys are both musicians, mm-hmm. and I was reading about like the technical structure of the song. But it, it, you're right; it is like it's a feeling, it's a cultural thing. It's, it's something you can't teach. 
it's something. Yeah, it's got to be a part of it, you. Yeah. You, know, you had to have like tragedy in your life to sing the blues. And, and you, you know, know, but like I read one of the interviews I listened to, it was a musician saying that like it's not what's in the music, it's what's not in the music. That's what you have to yeah. listen to. It's exactly. not like what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. Yeah. You know? Or it's like the notes that aren't being played. Yeah. And you put your own story in there. Yeah. I mean, maybe we go like, we take a real st- a quick step back. I mean, like the evolution of all this comes out of like, like slave plantation or even before yeah. that it's like sure. like the boats coming over from africa like yeah. the african spirituals or the um and i guess in the fields too like that that call and response of you know like well they said the blues came from at absolutely the spiritual songs in the field um they would sing hymns in this field and they would sing like secret codes in the fields yeah. they would sing like oh here comes the boss man you know, yeah, and it and it all became this one kind of music. And African Americans at that time, they can't write, right? They're 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 not allowed to be. Yeah, they're literate, not educated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And so, song becomes the way that like your history is passed down, sure, and your culture and yeah. how you communicate. You said like the massa is walking around, and if you're saying something about how terrible life is. Yeah. You're gonna get whooped or killed or yeah. whatever. Even if you're just like slacking off, or you're just, you know, it, it's just they had such an awful way of life, you know, and that's what it was. It was a way of life for them, passed on from generation to generation. Like Ryan was saying, like there was code in there, and that's absolutely true. Like they were talking about, like especially with the underground. Uh, I'm sorry, what, the, the railroad, the, the underground, underground railroad? railroad, and like they would tell, like, oh, make the the corner at this tree go like three miles in so many words in their in this song you know so it would just pass on from song to song to song that's how you got information out and it was know? interesting because i guess that that call and response and you hear it a lot in like church yeah right it's a you know like yeah. preach on brother you know like i'm going that's to the church blues. the promise yeah. land right it, that is part of it and that as that evolved i mean you listen to like a a lot of blues songs, you know, they repeat the first couple lines like over and over and over again because it's that is morphed into that this the, the blues ha- also has like a sense of humor um mm. there's like you know like my own little line sure you know come up it's like oh my baby wants a new pair of shoes but don't you know my credit card bill is due <laughs> you know it, like it it had it has a, its own humor to it It has its own everything and there's also like a lot of sexuality or anything like that like i was talking to somebody and they said oh my favorite blues like line ever in a song is like baby i just want to be the panties that hang on your waist well, who like, you don't know? want that yeah yeah and you know like in, in the history that i was reading they were talking about the song shake rattle and roll sure as like was originally a blues song and then it got was a cover by bill haley and they were like what do you think when he says, I'm a one-eyed cat in a creeping in a seafood store? Like, holy moly. Right, right. right. Like how you don't have to, you know, you could be a teenager and get that. And I was like, I've heard that song a million times. You and I've never been like, oh my God, that's like, he's talking about a, a penis. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh my like, God. That was probably over so many people's heads. Like, you know right. I mean? Like it was way over my head when it was playing in Happy Days. <laughs> right. Right. And you're right. The, the music is full of any of that. I guess it, it really is like a music about like, it's going against the norms, whether yeah. it's sexual or uh, the the oppressive thing that people in the deep that well that African Americans in the deep South dealt with, where, you know, whether it was slave times or sharecropping or any any of that. It's such a important part of 
just American life. And it was like, like I, when I said, I know a little bit about the blues to be dangerous. It's, I learned more about it, like in college mm -hmm. studying it than I did like being a music fan. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a really, really interesting part of music in America. I think, you know, to, to really understand blues is to see where it came from is to go down to Memphis and to see the back streets of Memphis. Doug and I were down in Memphis, and it just the first day happened to be the anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination. It was. It was we were on oh, the plane. Wow. We were on yeah. the plane, and Doug's like, "Holy shit! Today's the day of." So we're like, we we land, we hightail it down there. So we spend some time down there, and it was really amazing. So now we're walking back, and you see shotgun shacks you ever see a shotgun shack yeah yeah they're still out there if, yeah you know people don't know what a shotgun shack is uh you could shoot a shotgun and go through Throw the front it. door and go right through the back door and i don't think you really know what the blues is until you've seen a sh like a, a, a sh you know shotgun shack you know or in the back roads we were like walking down and I, we could see the city we knew where we were and this, this black gentleman was like what are you boys doing Oh, we're just you know we're seeing the museum and like that. He's like, you know, you know where you're at, right? I'm like, yeah, we know what's up. We yeah, know, yeah. You know, you know. He's like, I think we. I'm like, we're from we're from Philadelphia, man. I'm like, we're okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, you boys, can I get five dollars? <laughs> I think I gave him like ten as they beat it. But you yeah. know what? What's interesting, you know, being down in like Tennessee, you're surrounded by country music, you know, and I. I Spend enough town, a time down in the south, and it's all country music. When you get the Memphis band, it's a completely different animal. Yeah. Like it is a comp completely different feel. And and the the origin of country is I mean, there's stuff in the books that I read that was calling it the hillbilly blues. You there know, you it's, yeah. it's almost like as we're doing this, we got to put guardrails up because everything I read, I mean, it spills into like jazz and swing and boogie woogie and mm, country. This is yeah. before all of it. It goes every, but like yeah. one of the things I said that like, or maybe might have been Keith Richards said it, or you know what? It was in this book I read that I have, and it was a great quote and I meant to. What's the name of the book? Yeah. So I read this book called the visual history of the blues, a hundred years of music to change the world. And I have it on my, on the desk here as we're talking. And it was like a really cool, it was a really cool quote. It was uh, Willie Dixon said, "The blues are the roots, and the all other music that came after it are the fruits." Amen. Yeah, right. Now it's just like everything, yeah. everything, absolutely. Like, Keith Richards said, "Like the blues are like the they're the stone tablets that came down." Like he, that's what everything right. was written. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. he was around when the, the tablets. Were <laughs> I think maybe where we start this. So we talked a little bit about like slave times and everything, but it seems like like the modern era blues. Is like the 1900. Totally, like you, the, like I think you know the earliest recordings that we can refer to is like late 30s. Yeah, so it's you like know? maybe we'll kind of start around that period, like a little bit before the Depression, but we're gonna we acknowledge that it the roots of it go way back before the Civil War. The first thing that I found in the blues, and you guys, maybe if you've seen something different, was this guy named W. C. Handy. Mm -hmm. Okay. They said in like 1903, he was taking a train across Mississippi and he had a really long time, like in between waiting for the train. He fell asleep on a bench. And when he woke up, he said there was this older black guy playing a guitar in the train station and he was holding a knife on the neck of the guitar and sliding it up and down. And he was like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. What is that? And this guy was like, I'm playing the blues. 
And this guy, W.C. Handy, eventually wound up writing sheet music for a blues song that he heard. Because there was no CDs. There's no cassette. Yeah. Like, yeah. So if you want to record something or share it, you couldn't record it. So if you wanted to share it, you had to write the sheet music and hand it out. Yeah. And this guy wrote the music down for something called Memphis Blues. And they said that was the first, like, recorded or distributed right. uh, music. So well, the guy were using the, uh, the, the knife. So he's basically using it as a slide. Yeah, yeah, and and that is a, and that's such a weird sound to begin yeah. with. You know, it was that metal on metal string, yeah, or was, glass, yeah, you know, right? Well, I, yeah, you, you always see like bottles and know, things like yeah. that. They would know. use a chicken bone even to like you know they would shave down the chicken bone to get really like, t- like fine, fine. Yeah. You know, it is it is a sound. I mean, you can you you can distinctly hear it going up and down against the strings. It it yeah. makes that sound. Mm-hmm. I would think a knife sounds way different than a bottle yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely has a more of a sharper sound. Yeah. And the, especially like back then, like what are the strings actually made of back then? I think you a, know I think a lot of those instruments are all one of a kind. Like they're handmade. Sure. One of a kind. Like they have like maybe one bridge is a little bit off than the other bridge, or each guitar has its own sound. Obviously, yeah, obviously. even even now, well, you know, you know, that's something. I'm glad you brought that up because you know you're talking about these guys who are playing the music and like, can they afford to go out and buy a guitar? Absolutely not. So that's seriously like box guitars, like yeah. you know, they're like really the cigar like box. cigar box guitars, yeah. like you know. So I, I guess that's where it originates from. And um, I guess that's like, like, you know, we'll get later about it, but like Bo Diddley, he totally adopted, and that's his... The box guitar. The box guitar, yeah. man. Well, you even know? on the plantations, what they would do, they would make their own guitars. What they would do is, on the side of the house, they would put screws up, and then get some kind of fishing line or some kind of wire, and get it really tight, and put a can in there as a bridge. Sure. And go... Yeah. Kind of like the evolution of like the, the hillbilly, like the jug band. Exactly. Right? Playing the washboard. Yeah. And I, one of the books I read said that there was an instrument called a diddly bow. I'm like, is that where boat absolutely I, I don't know i don't know right yeah, I was like, absolutely yeah you know, i was like okay well that's where it came from yeah. that's where bo diddley got his got his name but that's even like with the bass too they had like the wash the uh what do you call the it? tub the tub and then the, the, the broomstick and the string and like how ryan said they would like get the like just by bending it like up and down you would get different like pitches out they of would, the like, sound take the can or whatever they would use as a bridge and move it up and down yeah. the string and get different tones you know it, Kids would do it on the side of their houses, and you know, doing his doing uh, a little research about it. You hear a lot of these guys started that way, but that's even like you know, not getting off the subject. But they there was a documentary a few years ago called "Might Get Loud" is Jack Jack White, The Edge, and Jimmy Page. So the beginning of the film or documentary starts with Jack White out on his porch, hammer, nails, piece of wood, Coca Cola bottle, and a string, and he had like a pickup, and he made this electric one string guitar and it was like a slide guitar and he's like who says you have to buy a guitar to play it's really cool i mean i guess even the the original or the the earliest forms of this there weren't even there wasn't even instruments behind it and then it kind of became like a a guitar or the stuff we're talking about Mm -hmm. and then maybe an acoustic guitar with who knows how many strings and Mm -hmm. then it everything kind of builds on it as it evolves well you know you see with guys like these blues players they like 
not all of them always played six strings. No, like, there was there's a like, lot of twelve strings. Yes, yeah, but, yeah, but twelve strings, but even less. Like you oh, see yeah. guys with like three strings. Yeah. And there you were people I mean? that had six strings, but they had three fingers. Well, they lost also, a couple of them in like a plantation accident. Exactly, and that's going back to like Keith Richards. Man, he only plays with five strings, dude. He doesn't play with six strings. So that that's a blues thing that he adopted that became a part of his sound. And maybe as we're, and so I guess we're talking about kind of like the Delta blues era. And one thing that I found fascinating to me is like the, all of these people we're going to talk about, they weren't famous for the entire time. Like they didn't hit it big. And then they just have always been around. Like they, mm-hmm. they were recording. Maybe they were big in the tw- 1920s and 1930s. And then they were like almost completely forgotten by history. And then it was like in the 60s when like the folk music starts mm-hmm. that people started looking back at all of these musicians and then they started becoming famous again. Like we're going to talk about Robert Johnson a little later, but he comes like he really kind of becomes like a cultural thing in like the 60s. Yeah. Like he, with yeah. the folk music. Yeah. He became like this legend. Yeah. It was like, know, like a folk tale. It was like. I don't know how to say it. It really was like white people decided that they really liked this music. It was like a throwback and it was almost like you're digging up like a time capsule of all these other musicians that were largely forgotten for 20, 30 years. I think, uh, you know, a lot of these original recordings, these scouts or whatever, they would go out and look for these guys playing blues on the street. You know, they would find these guys and record them. Now, does that go like to the thing when the Library of Congress went out and start went down south and started recording a lot of blues music? Yeah, yeah. you want to talk about? Let's talk about. Yeah, this. let's talk about Alan Lomax, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Lomax. He was uh, a gentleman that got a grant from the state from the country to go record whatever he wanted. It was his dad too. His dad John okay. and Alan. They would document all kinds of different music. Um, a lot of spiritual songs, a lot of, you know, early country songs. But what he really did was he discovered huge talent like Muddy Waters and Lead Belly. Yeah. And it was, and he had a recording thing in the trunk of his car. I was just going to ask, is that true? In the 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And they said, portable recording studio. How amazing is that? You think I, I I was going to ask you that if that was true. Because I've I've heard of that before, and I've seen it, and um, like in movies or whatever. I just know it was fiction. But dude, imagine that. I mean, think of it back then. I'm looking at our little machine here that we're recording on, and it's not even it's as big as a cell phone, you know. And now Mr. Lomax had to go out there in his car, probably fit in his whole trunk, and just roll it out in front of whoever and just record for the you know. It's a genius, and you think. I mean, if you're in the deep South, you know the the really deep Mississippi's incredibly poor, and some dude rolls up and goes, "Hey, man, I want you to sing into the trunk of my car, and it can play it back to you." You got to be like, like it was like Future Man, right? Yeah, people because gotta be like, able to not yeah, understand people, that. A lot of people still didn't have electricity down there. Do we have anything example of the Lumax recordings? I, I do, and I'm gonna pull up something that, uh, um, yeah. Now these recordings are from the early 30s. So here, this to me sounded like, yeah, this is a, a song called Early in the Morning that was like, I think this is a prison song. Let me play a little bit of it. Well, 
So that's literally a prison, um, a, a prison gang. It was recorded at the Mississippi and Louisiana State Penitentiary. That was the kind of stuff that this guy was recording. Yeah, that went, was the real blues. Those yeah, guys are that, never yeah. getting out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> such a, like I, I got this. I never heard that before. I got this visual. It had like this in chain my, gang. in my head. Yeah, you can see, you can see it. You when, know, we were talking about like the really early influence people working in the field. Yeah, and, you know. I, we're using a prison camp as an example, but I was like, that was what I what I thought of when I heard this. I was like, man, this is this is really interesting stuff. And this guy went to like he went to churches and prisons and plantations and lumber mills, and just started saying, hey, can I record all this stuff? And he captured all these. And we're going to run through a whole list of all these musicians, and he kind of like recorded all of them. And it was great that the country backed them up on it. Like they wanted to document the times. And that's amazing that they recognized. They it. gave him a grant. That's amazing, you especially know? that back then. And, you they, know? and the Lomax family recorded all through history. Like they, I, I'm sure they're still recording. The family records whatever. Yeah, and there's you hear a lot when you read something about the blues. They call them like the blues hunters. Like they're going out into these rural areas and looking yeah, for all been, of yeah. this stuff that was either recorded and forgotten about or nobody ever recorded. So would you say that they, in technical terms, they discovered the blues, even though it was already like it was a thing, but they discovered I, it. They and recorded made, it. They, that, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, they, they, made, made, it, they made it accessible, accessible to, to people. people. Yeah. yeah. But look how long it took probably to catch on. Sure. You know, they probably recorded that. And then, you know, all these blues guys start coming out like five years after that, 10 years after this, being like, I can make a living singing the blues. Because it, it, it had to explode because it's getting um, an audience that I would never have before, meaning white America, you know. And um, I guess they, they saw that they could actually make a living out of this. Yeah, the blues are interesting in that I think it was really popular like the records became popular until like the depression started. Yeah. And then the record industry just kind of falls apart and nobody listens to the blues anymore. And the blues kind of also starts with like a lot of like vaudeville kind of stuff. Yeah. And then black people also start leaving the deep South for like, a it was like 9 million. Right. Yeah. And most of the trains in the South all went to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And then, so you have a lot of people moving to Chicago and then Became that's the where Chicago it, blues. That's where it evolves. Cause they, they wanted to get the hell out of the terribly racist Jim Crow South. And get come to Chicago and exploit it and not make any money. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, may, I guess, you know, before we get into Chicago, we should talk about some of these amazing musicians that, that I, Alan Lomax either discovered or were, came out of the Delta of Mississippi. I think we got to start with Lead Belly. Let's do it, man. Yeah, yeah so let's, let's play some Lead Belly. There's a song called Where Did You Sleep Last Night by Lead Belly. Come on, In the pond, in the pond. While the sun don't ever shine, I was shivering all night through. My girl, my girl, where will you go? I'm going where the cold wind blows. You know, that song was made 
very popular by Nirvana Unplugged. And I don't think anybody could give it justice more than Kurt did. I agree. Man, it's the first thing nice you ever said about Kurt Cobain, dude, <laughs> no, honestly. Kurt, but no, I agree. He, he, he nailed, nailed it. it. He, he nailed it. it. You know, it's really funny um, with that Unplugged. He tells a story before he starts playing that. And he asks his, his, you know, his boss is the record executive, the owner of the record company. Hey, can I borrow like, like $80,000 to buy Lead Belly's guitar? And like, I'll get out of here. He tells a story. And then, you know, as time tells, you know, uh, Kurt Cobain's guitar he played that unplugged with, that unplugged with sold for went for auction for like two million dollars. Wow, it's you amazing. Know? I mean, uh, Lead Belly wasn't a good dude at all. No, he might be the scumbag, the shitbag of the week. Yeah. So when when Alan Lomax discovers him, he's in jail for murder. Yeah. yeah. He's, oh yeah. Yeah. He was in and out of prison. wasn't wasn't He a wasn't very a nice good guy. dude at all, man. Even like later on life, you know, he was always in and out of jail. You know, he, he just couldn't keep his shit together. I mean, you you are a blues man. You got to live that 24-7, I guess. But do you think that he looked at himself as a musician, or this is just what he did? Oh, no. He he was all about himself. Yeah. He, yeah. He he knew what he was the original of. Absolutely. And I guess when, when Lomax discovers him, he gets out of prison, and he decides he needs... He wants to get on the straight and narrow, so he like Lomax actually gave him a job to like drive him as he goes around, looking at you know to to search for all these other musicians. So he almost becomes kind of like the ambassador of these the the low these white people driving mm. through the really yeah. deep south. No, he's out there, you know, yeah, discovering show, talent. Yeah. He's like yeah. Sam yeah. Phillips, yeah. And a lot of these guys like we don't know a lot of the details about them. We don't know when they were when they were born, when they died. No, it's yeah, all legend. Record, yeah. It's all legend. Right. Like, even the name Lead Belly is, some people say he got it when he was in prison. Some people say it was a playoff of his real name. One person said that he was shot I was gonna, with, yeah. with a shotgun. Yeah, some people yeah. said he could drink so much moonshine that his stomach must have been out of lead. I mean, his last name, his real name was Huddy Leadbetter. So some people said maybe they just mispronounced. And we don't know. Mm, it's just lost yeah. to history. Hey man, that's the thing about blues and music. The uh, the um don't the, let the story the get legend, away. Yeah. The legends the, yeah. fill the gaps. Yeah, and we're gonna get to some really cool ones yeah, in absolutely. a little bit. But I would think Lead Belly is the original guy. I think after Lead Belly would definitely be Charlie Parker, Charlie Patton, Charlie Patton. I'm sorry, Charlie Patton was was really cool, and that's a guy. I don't know anything about, but I saw articles from the New York Times and Rolling Stone that called him one of the most important musicians of the 20th century. Really? And I was like, I, yeah. I don't know anything Neither about this I. dude. Oh, yeah. I heard about the guy. Let's play some of his songs. All right, yeah. Here's a song called I'm, Co- I'm Going Home by Charlie Patton. Out of all the stuff, man, that we were talking about in this show, 
I really, really enjoyed discovering this guy. Yeah, mm. Charlie Penn. He was really above the curve. Yeah, yeah the recording. I love. Yeah, like, the scratch. Yeah, it was the first time I heard it. Heard that. You know, and people like we don't know when he was born. They said he was probably born in 1887. There's only one photo of him that exists, and as we're just playing, as I said, it it almost looks like that famous mugshot of Sinatra, like his facial features, but the the color of his skin. It's weird yeah, to tell. Was, like, is he white? Is he, he was like? They said that he was kind of like Mocha. Yeah, he. They said know? he was like he was part black, he was part white, he was part Cherokee. His parents were white, but the rumor there was always a rumor that his mom had an affair with a with a former slave, mm-hmm. and he was part black. But he has very white features. It's, sure. it's and it's really really interesting. And he was the dude in the monologue that I said the masked Marvel. So like um. His record label actually put out a song under the under the artist just called the Mass Marvel, and it had a little card in it and said, "If you can guess who this is, oh really? I don't know why anybody would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but if you could guess who it was, and um, they would let you have any album that they've ever put out in their catalog for hmm. free. And it was like that's kind of cool, like the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. It's like oh, it's Marvel. a perfect contest, a question that nobody you knows. Know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right." But he also, the influence that this guy has on everybody else, they said when he would play the guitar, he would actually put it behind his I heard that he was yeah. back. I heard he was a very big show off. Yeah. Like he had this huge ego, you know, he would well, play like, under his legs, he would play behind his back, you know, he, he, he would just be basically a rock star. But that's the, that was like the blues, it's a showmanship. You, you have to show up the next guy, you know, the guy, you know, and somebody else. And the dude like toured ever. He went and played everywhere, and he's like juke joints in the deep south. So like the people that saw him were like Helen Wolf, who we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Like he kind of learned how to play guitar watching this guy. He would go to his mm. house at night and listen to him play guitar. Or Robert Johnson called him like a huge influence. Uh, John Lee Hooker called him a huge influence. It's just it's amazing, and it was like. I mean, I have a show about music, and I was like, I had never heard of this guy before. Mm. Huh. Really, really enjoyed it. And he, um, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is an early influencer. And also, a lot of these early blues musicians, they're buried in unmarked graves. Yeah. And this dude was in an unmarked grave until John Fogarty nice. paid for a tombstone in 1990. Oh, wow. Very so, nice. Well, you know, this is a come down to, like, it's kind of like an artist. You know, you get famous after you pass away. Yeah. You know. And I guess or recognized. I mean, or, those guys have been dead for so long. Yeah, I mean, they, the only thing they can is get recognized, like we are doing. We're talking about them on our show. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got to give these guys justice. We got to give these guys the the credit that they deserve. They started everything. Every kind of music started from the blues. Yeah, and that's I never heard that before. John Fogerty did that. That's really solid. There's, there's a couple yeah. people in this story where other musicians paid for their grip, sure. um, paid for their tombstones. It was yeah. it was interesting. Um, Maybe before we get to Robert Johnson and talk a little bit about uh, another guy, Blind Lemon Jefferson. Sure. One the, the first note I had on here was I thought it, Lemon was his actual first name, <laughs> and he was blind. He's another dude. Like we don't know when he was born. There's only one photo of him that ever that exists, and I guess he kind of got started because some of these record labels, like when the blues started getting big, record labels would go. Like put 
articles out and be like, hey, if anybody knows anybody who's a really good musician, let us know. We'll come mm. record them. And some dude that worked in a in a music store, uh, like a record store in Dallas wrote in and was like, hey, man, this guy plays out on the by the train tracks down <laughs> yeah. by my Go store. Record the, record and he's really guy. good. Yeah. I bet you if he recorded it, I could sell a lot of music. And that was this guy. And they recorded him. And they, the record label was like, this sucks. Really? But it was huge. He was like, he was really, really popular for that era can we hear one of the songs yeah there's a song called black snake moan i'll put it on the playlist It's like almost that his voice is the major part yeah. of the song and the guitar is just accompanying him. That's a pretty heavy song. You know, you listen to him, he's like, I, you know, I don't need no, you know, I don't have no mom. And now it sounds like he's kind of like crying out. And from what I get from that, that song, it sounds like, you know, you're a man now. Like, you know, you don't need your mom anymore. Like, the, go out to the world. The thing that blows my mind is, like you said, he was down at the train tracks playing songs. Who would have known in the future that he's such an influenced guy? Like, And he was blind but yeah. we don't yeah. know when he went blind yeah like was he blinded for his whole life was he did it Story. happen later yeah. that's but crazy. how did how did he learn how to play guitar like that with no without even looking i guess you feel the strings you know you yeah. feel it but to be have like such a handicap and have such an original way to play guitar he played very clean yeah those notes that he was playing were pretty clean and they said that he didn't have any talent when they you know the record the record him? label just said like this isn't this isn't a hit i mean wow. and his music's been covered by everything from like dylan bb king the grateful dead there's um he has a song called see that my grave is kept clean that fish has covered a couple times oh yeah 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 um and he's another dude like he died and a lot of the people die really young too. Oh, back well, then yeah i mean yeah. he was he was 38 well, first of all, he was so successful that he actually he was able to afford a car and a chauffeur because oh, well. he could able to buy a car, but he's blind. Yeah, um, which has got to be amazing for an African American. I don't know how many well, people own vehicles poverty, when you're yeah. right, 1930 in in Texas. Yeah, you'll pull that car up somewhere, and somebody go like, "Where do you want to be?" Yeah, like, right. How'd you get that car, man? You yeah, know, like and and even the circumstances under which he died. Some people say that he was poisoned. One person said he, or rumor was that he was attacked by a dog and he had a heart attack. One person said somebody tried to rob him and he had a heart attack. So we just, we don't know. Yeah. I think all these blues guys die of like some kind of tragedy or some kind of, you know, just different kind of death. And it adds to like the, the gothic legend and of, it's beautiful of it all it's beautiful in its own way you know because it's like life imitates art you I know do, they think, all have hard lives you know? i think that's what makes the blues so special absolutely you know? yeah. it's so mysterious yeah, yeah absolutely it's so old and mysterious and he was buried he's another guy like 
we don't really know where he was buried. They kind of know, like, he was in an unmarked grave until the late 60s, and they put a stone, like, in the general mm-hmm. area where they yeah. think he is. But it was a dude that was, like, kind of successful in that part of the country, but maybe just, oh, black guy died in the South. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. Especially I, I'm sure that's then. part yeah. of it. They were all, like, a dime a dozen of them. Yeah. You, you know, like I said, all these years later, here we are talking about him on our show. Yeah. I, uh, That's I mean, what I dig about this show, that we talk about things yeah. like this. I mean, in the, the undercurrent of racism that comes in going through oh, all sure. this stuff, I mean, the, the book I mentioned has some ads from, like, early uh, uh, record label. I mean, it's... Oh, they were racist. It's oh. every stereotype. They were showing... We were like, looking at the book earlier. Yeah. These had some god-awful things in it. But, well, like, you know, you said, like, the guy, you know, he had a car. He had a driver or anything like that. You know, he died. And nobody had a marker. Yeah, because everybody took his friggin' money, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, you know, he just got robbed. And like he died, everybody took his money, and okay, that's the end of him. Yeah, you know, and that, and that's that was the world then. Yeah, he you may know? not have even had any money. He probably spent. But it that's all. what I mean. He you probably know? spent it all on on, yeah. on a good life. That's probably you're probably right. You're actually you probably you are right. You well, know? what I thought was interesting, I mentioned like the record label to say, and does anybody know anybody? Like, and it it seems somewhat exploitive to but me but that's how new it was but that, that's that's kind of like the you know the, the british invasion man or even grunge oh we're yeah. gonna sign everybody like this sound is like making people's yeah. attention you know it, this is the next big thing and record labels and at the time were i mean they they certainly weren't integrated mm-hmm. thing so almost every record label started they were called like their race division they said the term like uh, we're gonna make a raced artist yeah. Raced yeah. artist. They said that was like kind of the equivalency of saying the word like black now. It wasn't yeah, a, it sure. wasn't as offensive. But yeah. they said like even Billboard had a race records chart until like nineteen forty nine. Wow. And yeah. then and then it became the rhythm and blues chart. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But this stuff got so big. It, like in one year, it was like the late twenties. Like five hundred of these albums came out in a year. It, it so was, the record labels were just going for everything. Sure. Wow. They sold money in it. Yeah. You know? They were just ripping these guys off. I they left they were right. like giving them twenty bucks, and then making you know a shitload of money on top of it. And yeah. they probably the got writing credits too, man. They probably put their name on the on the on the for the writing credits on the forty five or whatever. Yeah. How they sold it, you know, that's business back then. You know, one other interesting dude that I, I didn't do a lot of research into was this guy called H. C. Spears, and he came up on a documentary I I was listening to, and yeah. it was a the documentary was like narrated by Lawrence Fishburne. And like Keith Richards was in it, Chuck D was in it. It was really cool. Yeah, I saw it. Did you? Yep. And he and he was talking about this guy. Like he ran like a little like an ice cream shop kind of thing in like the deep south. But he discovered a lot of these musicians, and they made the analogy that he was to rock and roll is what Sam Phillips was, or he was to the blues to what Sam Phillips was to rock and roll. Right on. But the interesting part is this guy walks into his store and says, hey, man, I'm a musician. I want to audition for you. Mm-hmm. And that was Robert Johnson. Oh, wow. Wow, Robert Johnson. I think he's one of the most influential, influential, not just blues, but like all guitar music. Yeah, he's like the biggest, one of the biggest names out there. And he has such know. a legend behind him. And, and that's what, and I think, you know, that's that's half of it for him. Like that legend about him. Robert Johnson has a story about We'll talk a little bit about being at the crossroads, selling his soul to the devil. Now, this song is called... The Preaching Blues? Up Jump the Devil? Yeah. This song is called Up Jump the Devil. Now, 
we're going to listen to this song. He changes his voice into an evil voice. And he's, he's imitating the devil. Let's listen to a little right. bit of this song. Let's do it. I totally dig the recording of that. Yeah. So you have to visualize Robert Johnson, the way that he played guitar. It was so busy action up and down the fretboard, all across the, all across the strings. He would record in a corner of a room. So nobody could see what he's doing. No, it was more of, he would sound more of, more than just one guy. Oh, so the acoustics bounce off the wall, off come of back out. We can sound more than one guitar. Dude, he's a genius. That's he why was he a genius. And just his style of playing, like, that's, like, dude, he, he was, nobody played like him. He invented then. a way to play. Now, yeah. the story, let's get into the story of Robert Johnson. I don't really know when Robert Johnson was born, um, but at a young age, Robert Johnson would go to the juke joints, would go to the chitlins, and really get into these guys playing the guitar. You know, um, why they, these musicians would take break, he would get up on the stage and mess around with the guitar. He was so bad, everybody would be like, get off the stage, boy. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You're making it sound awful. You know, in the guys' instruments, they were, hey, boy, get the hell out of here. You don't know what the hell you're doing. So, you know, he really took that to heart. He, um, Again, he, he keeps on practicing. He's not together. So he disappears for about six, seven, eight months. And he comes back, and he's this virtuoso guitar player, like everything we just heard. Mm. Now, nobody gets that good overnight. You he know, probably locked himself in a room. Yeah, but, you know, but I like the story better. The story is, you know, he got so good overnight because he sold his, he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. Um, he, he asked the devil to make him play the guitar even better. And the devil, uh, gave him that power, you know, at the crossroads. The, uh, the devil picked up the guitar, he tuned it. Played a few strings and then gave handed it, it back, handed to, back him. to him and start playing some more. Yeah, what's the legend like? If you go to the crossroads in the Delta, yeah, it late at like at midnight and he'll walk up behind you and you hold the guitar over your shoulder and he'll take it. And we're gonna fucking do that. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing that. But like you know, earlier this week when uh, we were like telling everybody this is the show that we're doing, you posted a picture of the crossroads. I, I'm amazed that we've never been there, right? Like I'm we'll get pr- there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But it's just like an amazing picture. It's like two guitars, one going east, one going west. Yeah. You Clarksdale, know. Mississippi. Yeah. But the legend of Robert Johnson continues. Um, he died really young and he was the original 27. 27. He was, yeah, was he? Yeah. And how'd he, die? how'd he die? There's a little different things on how he died. Um, the most popular one was he was poisoned by a lover's husband. Um, Somebody handed him a bottle of booze. Um, it was already open. Somebody like, tried to snap it out of his hand. Like at a juke joint. Yeah. Mm. And Robert Johnson was like, he was a motherfucker. He was like, yeah. Yo, don't you dare slap that out of my hand. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, he drank from this, and he said he 
it took him like three days to die. He was over like, howling like a wolf. He said, like, frothing yeah. at the like, mouth. Yeah, kind of. The only thing I could think of, um, besides being poisoned, maybe he had um, rabies. Maybe he had rabies. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, oh, maybe, maybe. Who knows? I thought he had like his appendix burst. No. possibly. You know? Who knows? Yeah. I, I I read that some people speculate he he got syphilis because he was real that. famous for like who, yeah. he would go to a juke joint and he Bang would go everything. home he would go home with a woman yeah who like normally a married woman and sneak out the door what a way to go out yeah he, but he he was all about himself he had this huge sounds like ego it. sounds like it now you ever see those pictures of him yeah there's only like two or three yeah, yeah. there's only a few yeah. the one picture that's really famous is him in the suit in the hat and he has a huge smile of him. Yeah, you know that was him in his prime. Yeah, yeah. Look what I became. There's one of him like he's smoking a cig- like a cigarette's hanging out of That's his mouth. That's one of my favorite ones. He yeah. has like a he has like a lazy eye. Like yeah. his one eye's a little off. And yeah. They said that um they thought maybe his his fingers were longer than they than they, they were. They were been. like they were like tree trunks. Yeah. yeah. Like, so you'd they like, were huge. Like, did that help with his guitar? Totally. I, like I I always notice that with players that are amazing and like I'm like they were oh like my God, look at the size of their fingers. They were like little no, tree trunks, yeah, man. They were yeah. unbelievable. Well what I thought was interesting too was like his music or he recorded only like uh twenty nine songs. There's not a lot of yeah. material about him. And do you have this part where like they go no, looking for I, him? Um yeah, they they went go looking for him. They found out that he died. They they were gonna put a concert on in um Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall, and they went and go look for him, and they found out that he died. Yeah, John Hammond was doing the show. He wanted to promote all the, the John Hammond that discovered Dylan and mm, Springsteen yeah. wanted to get all these blues guys together to do a show, and they went looking for him, and he was dead. And same with like Alan Lomax went looking for him to record yeah. him, and like they didn't even know that he was that he died. What they wound up doing, they played his recordings at this concert, and it was like pin could drop. They said, yeah. Now, um, going back to like what actually probably he probably locked himself in a room for what you say like eight months, right? And practices and ass practices off. ass off. I like, mean, he, he had like, such he had such an original way to play. Only you could learn that by yourself. But he was sounded he's so determined to become the best. He, he, he like if you listen to that guitar man, he's just not yeah. playing notes. He's playing. He, he's doing he's his all own thing. over the he's doing all his own over thing. the guitar. He's playing with his thumb. He's you know, he's, no, he's, 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 creating, he's doing things nobody ever did before. I tried doing a little research, too, on, like, what makes him so special? Like, Clapton has called him the most important singer that's ever lived. Rolling Stone has him number five on the 100 greatest guitar players. Gibson has him ninth in the top 50 guitar players of all time. Keith Richards is like, he's amazing. I was like, he why? Was because, well, I, because he's doing things that nobody ever did before. They said that, like, I mean, the blues, I guess, all this. And the blues were very, like regional yeah you have like these little specifics and they yeah. said he played all yeah. of it at yeah. once yeah it's like usually the blues is like you know a four chord progression yeah but like you know when him doing his solos he's not just playing chords like ryan was saying he's playing all over the neck and he created his own thing that's why everybody considers him he was one of the greatest he was so unique yeah and because there's no video of the cm like there's you can't like imitate the guy yeah like, right. dude what is he doing oh i have no idea you know and he, um, they said he was one also of the first blues musicians to use like the guitar is another voice sure. in that. And yeah. You heard it in that song. Like BB King is really famous yeah. for that, but he was like the pioneer of that and all this music too. And he also wrote all of his own stuff mm-hmm. yeah. too. He wasn't just recording other people's stuff. Really, really cool, man. Really interesting. Yeah. Pr- like out of 
all of American music. He's just a oh, really interesting j- figure. Just this, the Crossroads story is amazing by itself. Yeah, he's a legend. Know? And, you know, his story and his music are always going to live on. Yeah. But it's going to be, hopefully, be passed on to pass on the generation. I there, think it will be. And there's a couple movies about him. There's yeah. a, that documentary on Netflix, yeah. Ryan, that we were talking about there during was a the good, week. There was a good movie made in the 80s with yeah. Ralph Macchio. Yeah. It was called it's Crossroads. A little, a little hokey. I've never no, seen it. But it was supposed yeah. to be like Robert Johnson in old age. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? I've never seen it. I just like, seen that Steve Vai thing at the well, end. Oh, yeah. Steve you know Vai's I mean? in it. And he's like the devil's right hand man. You know, and then Ralph Macchio. Like out plays guitar, Steve I. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. The Karate Kid yeah. beating Steve I. I don't think so. Mister Miyagi can catch it. Can't do that shit. So I think Ryan, you had a couple other Delta Blues musicians you wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, couple guys that hung around Robert Johnson. Um, one of the guys' name was Johnny Shines, and he's one of the original Delta guys that were doing recordings. Can we listen to one of his songs? Yeah. This is Standing at the Crossroads. Sure, here we go. Went down at the crossroads, fell down on my knee. Went down at the crossroads, fell down on my knee. Lord help me, help poor John if you please. It sounds like a bunch of guitars. It does. It's a, it's a unique style even by itself. But he was Robert Johnson's boy. Now, was that song like a shout back, like how they used to do like shout backs? Like, uh, what? I think everybody just covered everybody's right. songs. Like, yeah, yeah. they're all just standards. But, yeah. But that... that- Stand at the, the the repeating of the line. I mean, yeah. that's such like a standard part yeah. Of, yeah. of blues. It goes yeah, back like, to the old like yeah. gospel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Johnny Shines was around when Robert Johnson died. He, him and um, David Honeyboy Edwards, they like pal around a lot with Robert Johnson, and they said he had a cruising for a bruising. <laughs> like you know, he had such an ego and such thing. Like you know, he 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 almost had it coming. Like they said. Who, Robert Johnson? Yeah, because well, he hits this huge this... ego, you know? Man, he got the devil to back him, dude. I even have an ego, too. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was the greatest guitar player at that time. I mean, probably ever. There's such a virtuoso. Yeah, he's big of a, like he we say, is, he's a big influence. He invented his own way to play guitar. I agree I think with that. that yeah. I think that's why nobody can copy him. And but, you made a really good point. Like, there's no footage of him playing. So you have to listen to over and over and over and over again and figure out what he's doing. Like I said, he played in the corner of a room, so it would echo back, and it sounded more of a forward sound. Smart. I don't know whose idea that was, but whoever came up with that, that was brilliant. And all- it sounds like some Sam Phillips stuff. Like I know Sam Phillips had nothing to yeah. do with it, but maybe Sam, Sam had some of that influence on him when he recorded. Using like, the, the room echo. as a, yeah, as a room recording as instrument. studio. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Robert Johnson... Greatest blues guy ever. One guy that I had that I came across too was this dude named Sunhouse, like S O N, and he was a uh, he was a preacher who wound up eventually uh, becoming a blues musician, and he was a really big influence on Robert Johnson and and Muddy Waters and another dude that was largely forgotten for like decades and then in the folk revival of the 60s he came back and he died in 88 oh wow like, so he was he was around for a long time johnny shines died in like the early 90s well yeah, so these guys a couple yeah. guys that lasted a really long time had another um kind of had like a second career coming out oh, sure. i'm gonna play a little a little bit of this guy this is called death letter blues cool 
Yeah, we're just saying as we're listening to it, like, man, that guitar is out of tune, like, but, oh, I'll get out. But it's the sound. You know, he's doing his own thing. Doesn't matter no. if it's out of tune, right? Yeah. It's not, it's, none of this music is about, or this early stuff is about perfection. No, it's not supposed to be, I don't think. You know, no. like, you hear that, don't dun 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 Like, was that the, like, the original hook in a song? Yeah, that was be. that was hooky as hell, man. Yeah. You know. Just another dude that we, that came up in the notes i was i was really digging the it's music. fantastic it was really cool yeah really really we all, good we all stuff. sat here at the same time like that guitar's out tune yeah like it's great good stuff man there's a few blind willy guys that we took talk <laughs> there's, blind. Blind. There's, there's a bunch of blind <laughs> willy guys we have blind willy mctell and blind willy johnson that what that this blind willy johnson song that you put on this playlist i love it Play? i'd never heard it before here you go blind willy johnson it's nobody's fault but mine Nobody's fault but mine. Nobody's fault but mine. But I don't read my soul below. I have a Bible in my home. I have a Bible in my home. But I don't read my soul below. Hmm. Father, tell me how to read. Father, tell me how to read. I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. You, can hear the, you can hear the slide guitar, his voice. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like we were talking, like all these songs had like that slide guitar. Like if they're using a slide, if they're like Ryan said, like maybe it's a chicken bone, maybe it's a bottle, maybe it's a knife. A knife. Who knows where you got your hands on? Whatever makes a great sound. It's like, it's crazy to sit here, but your ears can be deceiving. I agree, you especially know, the recording. Like, rec- you, know? you, you really have to visualize the action of what these guys are doing on the guitar. And as we're sitting here listening to all these songs that are great, I'm visualizing all this in my head. I don't know if it's because we've been to Memphis and we've been to like these juke joint places and everything like that, but I really feel like I can really see and identify what they're doing. Well, that's a great point too, Ryan, when you said you got to visualize what they're doing because – before this, nobody's doing. You know, there, there's yeah. no rock and yeah. roll. There's no jazz. There's like talking about Charlie Patton putting the guitar behind his head and playing, yeah. and it's got to be like blowing people's minds. Sure, how different that is. I mean, you think about how like Elvis shaking his hips and everything. I mean, this is decades before that. It's the beginning of it all. It really is, man. It's it's really interesting, and a lot of these early guys too. The way they sing is really different because there's no microphones no. or there's no there's no amplification so like when they're playing in front of a crowd they have to shout over it and uh i think maybe you that evolves you know over the years as technology catches up but really really interesting it's amazing how just all these songs were recorded like you know and the and they're timeless you know like i don't think some like digital recordings sound as good as these recordings 
I love the the scratchy, you yeah. know, the just of yeah. the technology that that classic like record player kind of sound. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. But I'm sure it's like it's all been cleaned up and this and that. But imagine what it sound like like 30 years ago. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah right. really had to like we're fortunate enough to live in a time where we get to uh, enjoy the pure sound. But you know, you have to think these records weren't made. They were made cheap. Yeah, and they weren't you know? made right. to last. They, Thank God some of them lasted the test right, of time. Sorry, some of them, the guy's literally recording it in the trunk of his car yeah, in yeah. the 30s. I mean, yeah. they sold some of these records just to the black race. And, of course, they didn't make them very well. You know, so a lot of these recordings didn't last. I mean, think of all the songs we were never going to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. This stuff is not marketed. To, it, it, the blues kind of becomes a white people thing yeah. decades and, later, but not now. And yeah. like how you said, like, you know, how people got to hear your song before recording, you had to write down the music and then you would hand, hand it, it to out. people. And that was a great point. Like, because like Ryan just said, like, you know, think about all the music that you didn't hear. You know, maybe one day they'll, Somebody will look behind a wall somewhere down down there and yeah. find all this original music that nobody's it's, ever heard it's before. It's That's like, right. It's like Robert Johnson did twenty recordings. How many other songs did he have that nobody no. ever heard? It, it has to be I mean, in the probably a, a, no, probably about a dozen. But you yeah. know, it's it's something that, that we have never going to know. <laughs> and and how do. much of this? Yeah. I mean, a lot of this music is largely forgotten. I mean, you know, out of the. 10 musicians we've spoken about so far. I mean, they're, they're not part of like mainstream. No. Well, what is music now? There? Like, yeah, there's a guy I want to talk about. His name is Henry Thomas. Okay. Um, right off the bat, let's play the song. It's called don't ease me in. Okay. Here Doug, we go. Tell me if you know this song. I wanted to play that song um, because it's a very big cover to Grateful Dead. Yes, yeah. I love that the Dead that covered so many well, that's of these the songs. Thing. Yeah, the Grateful they're... Dead was a first a blues band. Yeah, you know they were playing in 1963. Yeah, you know before the Beatles were even doing their thing, they were already playing in a blues band. You know that all their beginning songs are all blues standards. But I wanted to play that song just because I know it's a big Grateful Dead cover that they play all the time. Our goal is to turn more people into Grateful Dead. Yeah, this generation's coming up. People just don't understand it, Bruce. I don't get it. Well, when you're playing this, I was like, I know this song. I've heard it somewhere. And you're like, it's a Grateful Dead. I'm like, that's exactly yeah. where I've heard it before. I've well, heard that's, it. That's I've the thing about the it. Dead. They covered so many um, standard blues songs and they make up their own. So you hear these songs and you're like, oh, shit. You know, yeah, I knew sure. the song. Sure, but yeah, you know, I just wanted to play that because you know the Grateful Dead did it. God bless the Grateful Dead. Very cool. All right, so I think we're done covering the Delta Blues. Oh, you know what? One other thing I thought was really interesting when I was reading about that area of the Delta, and one of the books or something said that that region of the country isn't as old as you think it is. Like, oh, really? I thought it was like it went back to. 1800s right and they said that it was largely like it wasn't until well after the civil war like the army corps of engineers had to go in and build all like 
levees and stuff to get the water to recede. And then it was kind of like after the war, a lot of African-Americans moved in there because it was very fertile ground thinking that maybe they could find a place of their own. You know, sure. And it just wound up becoming, you know, this oppressive, you know, white people, sharecroppers and all yeah. that other kind of stuff. But maybe the interesting thing is that you had the Army Corps of Engineers built all these levees. It was a new area. And then you had all these people coming from all over the South into it. Yeah. And then that kind of like melting pot is where the Delta Blues came from. You had yeah. all these people moving in. Like a lot of things changed down in down the south when um the Civil War ended. Like for example, there's a huge Irish population down there. And that's all from the people getting off the boat from one boat, getting the other one, yeah, going down there, surviving surviving the war and then living their rest of their lives down there. You know? The Delta Blues is the beginning of it all, boys. It really is. I mean, we could sit here and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And there's another thirty, forty musicians that sure. we didn't we sure. didn't talk about that we could but you know. we you know we want you to do your own research let sure. us know about people you musicians you learn i'd about. love to hear it all right i think we're going to take a break and we come back we're going to talk about maybe the great migration when a lot of the african-americans leave the deep south and they go into the big city and uh they bring the blues with them and it really evolves into something a little bit closer to what we hear today when you think of the blues yeah all right all right cool we'll be back stick around Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. Thanks so much for sticking with us. So I think we're going to go from the Delta of Mississippi up to the big city of Chicago. And I think the person that we're going to start with is, well, maybe before we start that, let me just kind of put this in perspective. So, you know, as the South, the working conditions in the South continued to be really crappy for African-Americans, a lot of them just said, I'm out. I'm done working in agriculture. I'm going to go to the big city. As we said at the beginning of this, of the episode, I mean, they, a lot of them, they took the train and the trains went to places like Memphis and Chicago. And, uh, you know, between like 1900, 1970, 7 million people moved out, uh, African Americans moved out of the South and largely went to these cities. Holy shit. And they brought their culture with them. Sure. And, you know, I guess the, the great place to start would be with Muddy Waters. Sure. The king. The absolute king of the electric blues sound. But, like, you know, Chicago, man, like, it's totally, like, embraced, like, the blues, the food, like, the the culture, man. It, it's still that way, you know. Man, and, and the influence that Muddy Waters has on modern rock and roll, like, the blues rock sound that, yeah. that the British in uh, embrace in the 60s. I cried. I mean, the Stones got their name from yeah, the yeah, Muddy yeah, Waters yeah. song. So. Let's play a Muddy song. Let's do it, man. Manish Boy. Manish Boy is another one that I absolutely love. Now, when I was a young boy, at the age of five, my mother's child gonna be the greatest man alive. But now I'm a man Way past 21 I want you to believe me, baby I have lots of fun 
I would play that in the blues band, and I would imitate the screaming in the background. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, oh, such passion. You can't, you know, like that's the beautiful things about one take or something like that recording live. And it's like honestly, like I don't know what how much time has passed since like the Delta Blues to what we're talking about now, but the technology of recording has definitely changed. Well, like it muddy, became more sophisticated. Well, muddy changed the sound though too. You yeah, know? like we were talking during the break. Muddy had this Delta sound, and um, he grew, moved to Chicago, and grew into this electric sound that yeah. he basically invented. Yeah, you know? he, he grew up on a plantation in Clarksville, which is where Robert Johnson reportedly sold his soul to the devil, and he grew up listening to guys like Sunhouse and Robert Johnson, and Alan Lomax recorded him in the in the early 40s. And at some point, he gets on, he literally gets on the train, and he moves to Chicago, and he he plugs in his guitar and yeah. that's really like where it, the blues changes into this more electric it's, style. And then like, you could just hear the influence muddy has on Keith Richards. Yeah. Guitar absolutely. Play in that record. It's you know? it, it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Like when he moved to Chicago, he would just play out in the street, man. Like, I mean, he would just plug his, like plug his amp into some, through somebody's window and just start just shredding. It. Yeah. It's it's really cool hearing Keith Richards talk about him. Like Keith Richards is one of the the greatest guitar players ever, but he speaks so reverentially about some of these guys. It's just, and he you can tell he really 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 knows his shit when he's sure. talking. To, it's just really cool listening to him it's talk like about Keith, Robert Johnson or Muddy Waters. Yeah, you know, Muddy went over to England and was blown away how well he was treated. Yeah, he couldn't believe it, and then the, you know, like the stone. You hear the stones come to America, and they see Muddy changing a light bulb or fucking painting, painting the hallway or something, painting the hallway. Yeah, you know, and and like to hear the influence that Muddy had on the stones, it's pretty unfucking believable. And when Keith walked into Chess, and there's Muddy changing a light bulb or whatever. It kind of blew him away. He's like, wait a minute, you're the greatest of all time. And what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, you got to pay the bill somehow. And then like right after that, Keith started like tearing off like some bills for him and kind of got him back on his feet. And like, you know, with they, right toured. Before, they, they, they toured over yeah. to England. Yeah, yeah they brought him to England and all that. And there is a great video on YouTube from the Checkerboard Lounge. And it's muddy with the Rolling Stones. It's pretty. It's pretty lit. You want to play play a little bit of it? If you have it on yeah, there. Yeah, I can, I can pull it up on um Fire it up on YouTube. It's pretty wild. I hear my phone ringing. I do too. Sound like a long distant call. God, really cool, man. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and the influence that he has on music. Yeah. You is... know, and, and going back to, like, Keith Richards, I feel like that Keith Richards, like, as popular as Muddy Waters is in the world, I think Keith Richards had a lot bringing that back to pe- oh, people who oh, realize that. Yeah. I think know. all those bands, like Cream yeah. and The Stones and, you know. Um, they, Clapton. They, yeah. oh, Allman Brothers, yeah. ZZ Top. Yeah. Even, they, even Hendrix. I mean, mm-hmm. holy yeah. shit. 
Yeah. You know? AC, even ACDC, some of their, yeah. like, the riffs are, are yeah. old blues influence. I, I think blues riffs will never die. Now, what were you saying, like, during what we just listened to? Who tried to get up on stage and the... Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy tries to jump up on stage and join the jam, because holy shit, Mick Jagger and Keith, he's looking to get his face on there. Yeah. And... Muddy looks at him like, get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> and then Muddy also had a big personality also. Um, you know, he, he whored around a lot. Yeah. You know, um, he like he liked his booze. Um, he had a bunch of children outside of wedlock. Yeah. Yeah, he well, was already married. He had a wife and he was having kids outside of his marriage. Yeah. You know, he was he a blues man. He lived he was, that lifestyle. He yeah. was a blues man up and down the street. He definitely, definitely one of the greatest guitar players ever. Yeah, invented a whole way of playing guitar from everybody from Keith Richards ripped them off to Jimmy Page. I like how you said ripped them off, not doing doing like homage to yeah, them. Like ripped them off because look at all the white yeah. kids that never heard like these riffs or anything. Yeah, but yeah, again, like oh Keith Richards, greatest guitar player ever. Look what he came up with. But that's going back to to our Stones episode, and it's kind of like we kind of did say that like you know they're introducing this music to a culture that has never heard anything like this, especially out in England. Yeah, you know, unless you're into it. Already, you know, and when we talk about the blues going electric, it's I guess we got to put some guardrails up because, like, I mean, this spills into like hot jazz and you yeah. know I, the stuff we talked about at the beginning. Like, it goes all over the place in I like mean, New York and Chicago, and the blues just doesn't stop at guitar. I mean, of course not. No. I mean, obviously, her harmonica is a, a huge, huge part, part of it. Yeah. There's a Good story about a guy named Sonny Boy Williams II. Sonny Boy Williams I was a harmonica player also. Mm-hmm. He would say he lived in Texas. Okay. He had a pretty good uh, career for himself. And then now there's this other guy calling himself Sonny Boy Williams. So Sonny Boy one went to find this guy. <laughs> oh, really? And he was like, I'm going to Oh, it wasn't it. a junior. It no, was, I saw, no, no, I thought I it was. Saw, I saw, no. I, yeah, I saw that. I thought I it was also. I saw the names in my notes, and yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. they were like a father's yeah. son. No, no. It was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a guy. He went looking for the dude for using his name. He's like, listen, you're going to use this name, but you got to say you're the second. You're not right. the first. But um, play the song. He was the original harmonica player before Little Walter, before anything. Um, Sonny Boy Williams 2 Sonny Boy Williams 2 right. They don't have any recordings of Sonny Boy 1 I tried to find it um, But Sonny Boy 2 it definitely has the electric sound of the harmonica All right, I, I got a little confused during that also I'm, I'm back in there now Here's Bad Luck Blues by Sonny Boy Williams 2 To hear that early harmonica stuff is definitely really cool. Yeah. And the story of it, number one, going to find number, <laughs> number two. Number two. Now, um, do you think it was common for back then before, you know, because nobody in the beginning knew nobody really knew what anybody kind of looked like. Do you feel like they were like imposters, imposters, like Fuck all yeah. over the place, like driving yeah. around? Well, you know, in that movie, they say like little Walter. Yeah. And he shoots the guy. He fucking shoots, shoots the, the dude yeah. for, for using his name. Yeah. Fuck. 
I mean, but you, I, I wonder if how common that actually was. Probably was very common. Like, I, prove me wrong. I you mean, know, dude, he went to another state to tell the guy to stop using his name. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, I think a really great example of great blues is Willie Dixon. I mean, Willie Dixon. Um, he wrote a lot of blues songs. Um, a lot of songs that you heard. Um, but I think this song gives a great. You heard? You ever hear the twelve bar blues? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I think this is a great, great example of the twelve bar blues. It's called "I Can't Quit You, Baby." Oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. Song. Right, here we go. Did recognize anybody recognize that? Led Zeppelin. It was fucking Zeppelin ripped that off. Now, you know what's great about what I really enjoyed about listening to this? Other instruments have started changing. It started evolving. You know, um, I don't know if jazz started influencing the blues a little bit, but if you Absolutely. listen to the drums, because that's the first song that we listened in this episode that has featured other instruments in it, where it's recognizable to hear. Like, there's drums is like those offbeat like things. I, and like, just listen, I know, did you guys ever cover this song with the Alpana Red? We covered a lot of songs Yeah, but like this, this song is like right up your guy's alley. Yeah, you know. Um, a lot of the songs that we played so far were these upbeat songs. I wanted to give an example of the 12-bar blues. Yeah. I mean, it's so popular. Um, I feel like it was something we had to talk about. No, and I think it's very important because, like I said, like I'm wondering if this is where that crossover from jazz started making his way in the blues and like it's it's a very think, important song man yeah i think jazz yeah. is an uh, jazz is an offshoot yeah. of blues it's yeah. like an, an evolution yeah, of yeah. it but as you, the you, bands get bigger, bigger. Yeah. yeah and the music becomes a little bit more complex i believe you know? willie dixon was one of the first ones inducted to the rock and roll of fame hmm. okay he like one of the, let's say like one of the first 20 people he was inducted to the rock mm. a handful of the um the delta artists we talked about are in that like early influencer category yeah. too but not not you know inducted as like contemporary artists mm. yeah i mean they there is a blues hall of fame i mean all those guys are in it but for the rock and roll of fame to induct like i'm pretty sure uh robert johnson's in there sure i'm pretty sure muddy waters is in there mm-hmm. buddy guy um stevie ray vaughn yeah we'll, we'll yeah. talk about but, you know, the uh, blues thing has always been more of an underground kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, in Memphis, they had a blues hall of fame, didn't they? Yeah, that's yeah, we where went, the hall yeah, of fame we is. We went to that. We went to that place. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit. I mean, we've, it's all the musicians we've spoken about so far have all been men. Yeah. But in the 20s in Chicago, women really become the first like stars, and I believe this is before Muddy Waters goes to Chicago mm. and redefines everything. But there was a series of women that were really famous: Mammy Smith, Ma Rainey, and Bessie Smith. And I'll, I'll just I'll talk a little bit about Ma Rainey. Let me play a little bit of, of her music. I'm gonna run away after 
there's a movie about her called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that Chadwick Boseman is in. I, I haven't seen it yet. Dude, it's but fantastic. I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. It really comes about like, you know, uh, Chad, like Boseman, he's like this guitar player and like he's going to be like the next big thing. But I think everybody, I think you guys should watch it. I think I'm you're really going to watch it. Yeah, yeah you he guys won the Golden Globe it, for it posthumously. Yeah. yeah right she, she's interesting in that, I mean, she started as like a minstrel singer, like the mm-hmm. whole like, we're going to make these colored folk come out and dance, like, you know, they're yeah. racist as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in hindsight. But she also seemed that she had like, a lot of stones for an African-American woman in the twenties. Like she wore these big elaborate costumes. She had like ostrich feathers. She had some gold teeth (laughs) and, um, she started playing this uh, circuit of clubs by the theater owners booking association, the T O B A. But she said it was really stood for tough on black asses yeah, yeah. (laughs) because they really broke They They were hard to work for just a really interesting. She, she played with, um, she recorded some stuff with Louis Armstrong. Yeah. She called her version of, of, uh, the blues hot jazz. Yeah. And she's in the, the rock and roll hall of fame. Uh, the postal service made a stamp of her a couple of years ago. She's big, huh. Right. You would call her a motherfucker. Like I, she did. I, she was business all the time. And, man. and a lot of these women sang the, they really were, the lyrics were really sexual yeah. about yeah. like, you know, I just want to get some. And I mean, it was, it's really like bad language and, and talking about like lesbianism. And, she, yeah, well, she was like you empowering know? Yeah. kind of stuff for a hundred years ago. Yeah. I'm going to watch it tonight. Probably. I'm surprised you didn't watch it, man. Which, what is it on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. I won't get into Mammy Smith, but Bessie Smith was called the Empress of the Blues. I love this song. And I'm going to play a little bit oh, of it. All right, cool. Do. Yeah. All right. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. Yeah. Here you go. That song is so deep. It's great. I I, don't, I think we know all about that right now, Doug. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. No, like they, they like to kick you when you're down and out. Yeah, totally. We know what that's about too. Yep. But you know, I love that style of music. You know, I I you know maybe it's big band. I just love that sound. Like I I Very, said this before, man. That's like a fucking lazy Sunday hammock lane iced tea drinking song, yeah. man. Like that sound it is fantastic. Definitely has a ragtime twenties yeah. kind of yeah. feel to it. Boardwalk Empire. I listen to that that type of music often. Like yeah. it's just like really like a a little chill out day. You know. Put yeah, that some, stuff on, man. You really enjoy your day. Yeah, some some interesting things around Bessie Smith is she started out as a street performer with her brother. Um, she got pretty big, man. One of her songs sold 250,000 copies in a year, which I don't know in the 1920s how big that is, but that seems mm-hmm. rather a lot of- substantial to me. Uh, Billy Hi- Billy Holiday absolutely idolized her. So it was sure. like the, the spinoff in the jazz. Um, and then the, the local tie is she died in a car accident in 1937, and she's buried in Mount Lawn Cemetery right outside Philadelphia. Oh, really? And wow. she, was yeah, in yeah. An, uh, she was in an unmarked grave until Janis Joplin I paid for this. her tombstone in the 70s. It. That's great man. so just a little bit of a local no, a local tie dude i love how all yeah. these how all these artists in the 60s man they all stood up it's and all, like these needs to be recognized it's all it's all connected right it's fantastic really really interesting so that's awesome yeah who else you got we gotta talk about the man the man john lee hooker yes. yeah yes man you don't boom get boom, 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 boom 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 i'm gonna boom. shoot you right down 
Let's let's right off the bat play one of his most famous songs, but not famous by him. Uh, It was covered a billion times. Um, Let's play one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Man, we all know that song, don't yeah, we? Yeah, right. That was on our uh, bar playlist. Yeah, George Thurgood and the Destroyers. Man, the Delaware Destroyers. John Lee Hooker is another dude that, I mean, he died in 2001. But so he, he was around a long time. Dude, he, he was. He but, was old in the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And we don't know when he was born. So he was born That's like funny. like I read dates everywhere between 1912 to 1923. Holy so like, shit! Yeah, and he he was like his dad was a preacher. His parents only let him ever listen to church music, but then at one point his parents separated and his mom married a blues singer who taught him how to play guitar. I just I love it. That's I great. Love that story. Yeah, yeah. You know what's also really interesting? Him. He was illiterate. He couldn't read. Hey, this so is very he common. I'm sure any of them could. But everything he, so all those songs he, were yeah. all in his head. But I, I think that's very common. Like, very, very common, man. I saw you know? um, Keith Richards give an interview this week, talk about John Lee Hooker. And he said, to play with John is a very hard thing, because you say, hey, what what key are you in? And he goes, dung. Right. <laughs> right. That's, the, that's the key that it's in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and no matter what, t- he doesn't tune, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. He just sings along with the tuning yeah, with he, the guitar. He, yeah, he, it, that's interesting. Very like, stripped, that's a really yeah. Very good artist. When, when you don't you rely adapt. on, yeah, you rely, you don't rely on standard tuning. You tune the guitar to itself. He, um, this is what it is today, you know. And also, when, when he learned how to play guitar, he also ran away from home when he was 14, and he went to Memphis, and he started just sure. playing on the street, in Beale Street, and yeah. just kind of came up in the blues. He's he's great, man. I was saying when we were playing the song, he he was the first blues musician that I got into. I was in my 20s, and yeah. I, I started listening to him. I mean, um, he was in the Blues Brothers yeah, movie. Yeah, he was in the Blues and Brothers that, that was like, boom, yeah, boom. We saw that movie very, very young, and we were just exposed to it. And I think we our whole lives was just like, we recognized the blues. He he did you know? a great album with Canned Heat called Hooker and Heat, mm-hmm. which is really good. <laughs> great. And he also did, I mean, Santana got, we, we talked, we trashed him a little bit in the yeah. electric chair episode, the album yeah. when he had all the influences. But he did an album with John Lee Hooker called The Healer. Mm-hmm. Where like Bonnie Raitt was on all these all of these other musicians, it was kind of like the precursor to that Santana album, and it was great. It was great. I never, it was a great, yeah, it was a great I never album. It. I'm not a really big Santana fan. I got to be honest. Yeah, but, it yeah, was, but him I remember and Jolly that Hooker album. together was really good. I remember that album. Yeah, yeah. Jolly Hooker was was awesome. Really yeah. interesting character. He put it out like, like over a hundred albums. He recorded like under a different name for different labels, so he could just keep making all that's this. Stuff. Yeah, you look at his great. You look. I'll I'll look up his discography. Right. He would use a different name for other record companies. Yeah. Well, if you think about then. Prove it wrong. He'll probably sing like in a different kind of voice. Maybe. You know. I don't know. You know. But that's. I'm in love with that idea. Rip them off. Sure. Well, they're going to rip you off eventually. So. You might as well rip them all first. Especially they just pay you for the session. Sure. And, you know, whatever. But, why not? Yeah. And he was recording up until, like, I mean, he, he was in his 80. Yeah, until, yeah. He, until he died. Yeah. So, really cool. Awesome. Like Ryan said, he was an old man in the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, 70s and 80s. So I think next we're going to talk about a guy who was, he was a Texas blues man, a guy named 
Lightning Hopkins, also on Rolling Stone's list of greatest guitar players of all time. He's listed number 71. He was really cool, man. He was another guy I didn't know much about when I listened to his, uh, I wound up listening to a couple of his albums this week. Here we play a uh, Mojo Hand. Go for it. She can't have no other man. Cold ground was my bed last night. Rocks was my pillow too. Cold ground was my bed last night. Rocks was my pillow too. I woke up this morning, I was wondering, what it would am I gonna do? I lay down thinking, buy me a mojo hand. What's really interesting about him is his sound sounds like a whole band's backing him up, but it's just him using all of his fingers and using everything he possibly can to play the guitar in different time signatures and everything. You just you said that during the break and where we're playing it, and I took a second listen to it and I was like, "You're lying." There, that sounds like there's like three people yeah, playing. No, it's, and just it's just him. It's crazy. It's just him. Well, like you were saying, like I can't remember his name, but like down in Memphis when we did the Sun Records episode, there was another artist that kind of was really famous for that. You know, I, I forget. What. But he played. He was more of a one man band, but, playing the drums with his feet. And yeah, yeah. This guy was making sounds out of the, just the guitar. Like he was making percussion sounds along on the guitar with the with the strings and everything. That was uh, Joe Hill Lewis. Joe, Joe Hill Lewis. Lewis was playing. He had a bass drum. He had a hi hat. Okay. Was, he had a harmonica. I see. I was this on- guy just played the guitar. And played so differently than everybody else. It sounded like he was playing with a full band. I wonder how he got that sound, like that snare drum sound. If he did that Johnny Cash thing with the uh, the dollar bill on the bridge. Yeah. You know. It's amazing how these guys recorded. He actually started getting into music. He went to a church picnic when he was eight, and Blind Lemon Jefferson was playing in there wow. with them. And uh, he is another dude. He spent some time in prison, but we don't – like, history's kind of yeah. forgotten why. Everybody was Everybody in the prison back then. Yeah. If you're in the blues, you were in prison. Right. It's part of it. I was going to say, everybody down in Texas, like, back then, man, they all had guns on them. So yeah, did, like, a, did a stint, you know? Hey, yeah. Lightning Hopkins is just such a classic That's a blue, great name. A great That's a great name. name. Yeah. I know we talked about this guy a lot, but how can we not talk about him? The Wolf. I love the Wolf. Wolf. I love Alan Wolf, man. He was the best. Let's play some, let's play some of him. All right. Spoonful. Spoonful. Dude, he's the greatest, man. Man, his like, voice. Just, we, I know we talked about before, man, but we all had these big smile on our faces. Yeah. Listen, we can, ne- we can never, get, we can never get enough of him on the show. We talked about him a lot in our Sun yeah. Records episode. We he, had to mention him. Sam Phillips said that listening to him sing is proof that the soul of man will never die. Sure, just, I agree with that. I mean, he's. We talked about this in the Sun Records episode, but 
Sam Phillips, who discovered Elvis and Johnny Cash and Roy Orbison, said he was the most talented person. He was. Yeah. The like, now, I, you, see some, yeah. you see some of his old video. And the yeah. way he awesome. acts, great. he was a great front man. Yeah. yeah. He was unbelievable. He yeah. would do anything on stage to make it rowdy. I mean, we talked about some of those old guys, like uh, Charlie Patton playing the guitar behind his hand, and there's mm-hmm. no video. But there is video of, of, of Howard Wolf, and he's running all over the stage and acting yeah. like a crazy man. Really he's great. A giant dude. Yeah, he was like 6'3", 6'4". Oh, my God. You think you you think he was a mountain? He's another dude that when the Stones got big, they went on a couple of TV shows and insisted that he had to come on with them. Yeah, and how they that saw that. How that go they for it? It the, really went well. The TV, he really. The TV, oh, he actually did it. Yeah, yeah. they okay. brought him up. Well, the TV network thought Helen Wolf was an animal act, and they're like, <laughs> "All right, you want to bring animals out? Go ahead." And then they brought out this six foot three black dude. Yeah. The the host starts like asking all these questions about it. One of the guys in the stone is like, "All right, will you just shut up? We want to hear. We want to hear Johnson. Yeah, yeah. No, Brian Jones. I'm Brian sorry. Jones. Yeah. He's like, will you just shut up? We want to hear Helen Wolf. Yeah. And then they sit in the audience and yeah. just listen to him. It's really cool. That's fantastic. I never heard that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Helen Wolf was the man. But if we're going to talk about the blues, we got to talk about BB King. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now we're getting up to more of the modern era kind yeah. of stuff. But BB was the he was the king of the blues. I mean. When he died, um, there was like a parade down Beatle Street for him. They yeah, you this, mentioned this in another episode, almost like a they were Louisiana shows, kind of. We were in Memphis. We were at BB King's um, restaurant, and we we're talking to the, the, the bartender, and she says the funeral was unbelievable. And I said, "There, you will never see something like that ever again for anybody." Yeah, I mean, I wish I would, just to see the pictures of them carrying his ca- casket. Down Beatles Street was something on its own. Well, you know what it says about BB? If you're a music fan, you know the name of his guitar, man. Everybody knows Lucille, you know, yeah. Everybody who's in the kind of in the music or the rock and roll, that's how big BB King influences on modern rock and roll and popular I, culture. I think you know? his most popular song, maybe we should play it right now, The Thrill is Gone. Yeah, man, let's do it. Thrill is gone. The thrill is gone away. That's a great song. The great comp- great like, guitar player, man. Yeah. He was just one of a kind. He was such a gentleman, too. Everybody had something good to say about BB. Um, you know, he, he started out on Sun Records. Well, no, he recorded at Sun Records. And yeah. then they sold his records to Chess Records. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't talked about Chess Records yet. And you know, we're talking more probably about the musicians. But, I mean, Chess Records is is really important in all this too. Like they, they published a lot of, you know, Chuck Berry and Helen Wolf, Muddy Waters, the stones, the stones, right. The stones recorded there. I I thought it was interesting. They, uh, record label or radio stations at the time would only play so many songs by one artist because they were afraid of like the payola kind of stuff. So chess records started checker records so, so you had chess and checkers, so oh, they could be funny. like, "Oh, well, you can play it's this." A whole and, other, yeah, a whole, yeah, other, a whole other company. Right. Just interesting. I mean, chess, man, they really did 
put rock and roll in the blues. Yeah. Sure. I, we could have done a whole episode just on chess records. Yeah. Maybe we will one day. Yeah. I think that would be great. Now, do you think that chess was more influential than the stuff they recorded more than Stax records? A different thing. Yeah. It's a, you, it's it's a totally a different, different thing. thing. Stack Records is more of an R&B thing. Yeah. Um, That's true. I mean, uh, chess was strictly blues. And, you know, it, it, it started rock and roll. Like yeah. Chuck yeah. Berry. Maybe only because... Well, they had Etta James. You know what I mean? So yeah. she was kind of like a jazz. She wasn't really bluesy blues, you know, like how like these other artists that were on that label. I don't know. I was just kind of curious what you guys kind of thought about that because she was more of an R and B. Maybe artist. only because Stax Records has Motown as That's its true. counterpart. That's true. Chess was, yeah. was like the flagship yeah. of the country's blues. All right. We got any other the electric blues musicians? Yeah. We got to talk about. Why don't we about? talk about Bo Diddley? Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. You I don't forgot know about Diddley. Bo Diddley. Remember that Bo Jackson commercial? Yes. Oh, you don't know Bo Diddley. Bo, you don't know Diddley. Let's play one of the greatest <laughs> songs. Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. By Bo Diddley. By Bo Diddley. <laughs> What a, a fun song. Oh, dude. what a great guitar player he Man, is. Such a I great love, song. I love that early rock and roll kind yeah. of stuff. That riff was ripped off so many times sure. by different artists. Yeah. He's one of like the the bridges between the blues and rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely one of the pioneers of the rock and roll sound but he's you know like of course we all know who bo diddley is but he never i don't feel like that he has that like not your average person will know who bo diddley is like of course you know they'll know who like you said chuck berry they're going to know who bb king is you know they're going to know muddy waters but i feel like that bo slips through the cracks a little bit that's why he's on the show that's why we're talking about him he he also is another dude like you know, grew up in the deep south in Mississippi and kind of played around with some music and guitar. And he decided he wanted to start playing guitar because he saw John Lee Hooker sure. in concert. Yeah. He was like, wow. you know, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try doing this and just started kind of like as a street performer mm-hmm. and just grew into a blues guy or rock and roller. One of the things that you showed me this week, Bruce, was a great recording. <laughs> yeah. The super, super blues band. Um, That's it. Yeah. Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, and Helen Wolf did an album together called the Super Super Blues Band and it is in, the, in like '68. And it's cool because they're they're just really just kind of breaking each other's stones. I'll, yeah. play, I'll play a little bit. Here's a Diddley Daddy. Hey, wait, Wolf. What? Can you say that? Yeah. If you listen to more of that album, Bruce, like you showed it to me, they really break each other's balls. Like, you don't know how to play a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Man, I never heard that before. I got to listen to that. This like, sounds like so much fun. I think it's just a forgotten piece yeah. of music by three, like, huge blues musicians that collaborated I, with each other. I wonder other. how that did that come out? Like, did it? 
did that sixty eight. Yeah, yeah. sixty eight. Because you hear that 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 kind of wah thing going on. I'm yeah. wondering who which who that is. Probably Bo Diddley. But I'm kind of curious, like how that came around. Like, was it like kind of like the the million dollar quartet kind of thing? It sounds, you know. I think the, I think maybe. Um, they were just trying to cash in on like another hit record. Yeah, like they were, especially in '68, the blues was like came and gone. Yeah, kind of thing. So they, they were like looking for a hit. It was actually on the Checker record label. Okay, nice. and um, I mean, the the story was always at Muddy Water or um, yeah, Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf had a like a beef with each other, so they decided to make an album to get together and like. Slug it out over playing blues standards, and I don't and know what have, the hell Bo Diddley is. And they had Bo Diddley yeah. as the yeah. referee. Yeah. He's the mediator. I'm going to have to listen to that. I'm definitely, I'm actually learning something here. Yeah. I'm actually, I always learn episodes. I, I always learn things from our episodes, but I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah. I love when we, uh, we just discover weird, you know, like yeah. just kind of forgotten things. I mean, rock and roll really took the blues to another level. Sure. I mean, um, are we ready to start talking about a little bit more rock and roll and blues? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, I think I think the blues was very, very important to rock and roll, especially somebody like Jimi Hendrix. Sure, I absolutely. Mean, Jimi Hendrix took the blues on a whole other level. Let's play a little bit of Red House. You'll hear what I'm talking about. Jimmy was the fucking best. That has that classic. The guitar is the voice answering him. Yeah. Sure, he's playing. Like BB King was famous for. That was another example of twelve bar blues. But when I was a kid, man, I would listen to that song. Like you know, fourteen whatever. That was just rock and roll to me. I never identified that as blues until later in life, of course. But that like the blues has always been a huge part of like especially the rock and roll that I've always listened to. That was always like a big influence. Jimmy was big on the blues. Um, they put a compilation album of Jimmy's blues recordings, which is pretty rad. I love listening to that tracks. What's it called? The it's called blues. Blues. Yeah. And the blues becomes such a a layer in rock and roll. I get really as with the British invasion. You know, all those guys come over, and the Stones are the big one. But you've got like. Canned Heat and the Butterfield Blues Band and Hendrix, Janis, yeah. of course. But like, it's always funny. Like the Stones are known to be like beginner blues band, but then Hendrix comes, starts doing yeah. it, and he just buries everybody because that's his music. It's his country. It's his. He, you know per- what I mean? He perfected it, but a bunch of guys couldn't even step up the bat because Hendrix took over the Guitar Hero world. Sure, you know, guys like Buddy Guy. You yeah. know, he also was a. Is a great, amazing guitar player, but you know, could he stand up to Hendrix? Like, no. it's, well, he can, but you know, dude, we saw Buddy Guy, didn't we? I've seen him a yeah, bunch. Of, I've really? seen him a bunch of times. But didn't we see him with uh, George Thurgood? No, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we did. I saw him with Tom Petty. I saw him yeah. with Thurgood. Yeah, I saw him with BB King. But he's another guy that virtuoso on the guitar and uses the blues for a rock and roll sound. Yeah. Can we can we listen to some buddy guy? First time I met the blues by Buddy Guy. 
Dude, I love the picking. The picking that he's doing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so fast, man. But he always had clean. His, he always had that guitar with the polka dots on it. Yeah. His that was his whole gig, like polka dots. But he was, you know, standing in the shadows of another great guitar player, Jimmy. I mean, about the same time, Buddy got the back back seat. But it's so. It's but from what Jimmy Hendrix was doing, man, he was like on in outer space compared. He's keeping that that um that original idea of blues. Like I love the arrangement. No, on that you're song. right. Buddy guy kept the original I sound did. of blues, and yeah, you're right. Hendrix put a rock and roll twist yeah. on Red House. Dude, he was in outer space, man. Yeah, like you know, nobody. Could, you know, it's it's apples and oranges, dude. Like you know, what I mean, honestly, it's yeah. completely two different sounds. But you know, is one better than the other? No. I should probably mention Clapton a little bit too. Sure, um, why not? He also played a really big role in Robert Johnson's kind of like resurgence and discovery. Like, if you ever get the um the box set that had all Robert Johnson's stuff, yeah, he he wrote the liner notes to it. Mm. I think he donated a lot or something to kind of bring all that kind of stuff back. And he came out it was like ninety four. He came out with that album of all the blue standards mm. uh, yeah, from the, the cradle. cradle. Oh, yeah. I, bought, I bought that. Yeah, I bought that. It was really good. Here's a little bit of uh, "It Hurts Me Too," just a big, great, song. huge sounds. Great song. I love that song. My band used to play that song, too. Really? Yeah. We, I have so many great memories of hearing all these songs I used to play with the band. Who wrote that song? That's not his, right? No, that's a that's a he, that traditional. Whole, that whole album is yeah. all old. Yeah. Uh, From the Cradle, right? Yeah. Great yeah. album. Yeah. I have to go back and listen to that. Yeah. Blue Standard. I've listened to so He long. plays a lot of that. Um, I, the, the Unplugged album. That was a lot of bluesy. Yeah. That was yeah. a really bluesy album, too. So you did. we mentioned that. We just said who wrote that, and I just Googled it real quick. You know who the first person ever recorded that song was? Who's Tampa that? Red. Tampa Remember Red. Tampa Red? was He was in our Christmas episode. The really old blues song that oh, you pulled up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Let me see, hang on. Let me see if it's, see what's on. Here you go. Tampa Red. It hurts me, too. Okay. No, cool. I dig it. Yeah, I dig that. Like, I dig that a lot more than the Clapton yeah. thing because the Clapton thing is like really he's produced, like, screaming, like yeah. overproduced, and he's like screaming. Yeah, that's yeah. a really yeah. that's really nice to listen to. No, I think we're gonna talk about rock, blues guitar. We got to talk about the only white guy that Just, played the guitar, blues guitar, like nobody else. Stevie about Stevie Ray, Ray. Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. man. Man, I watched a documentary on him today. He played so much, unreal. His fingertips would fall off, yeah, and he would re-glue them, yeah, super glue uh, yeah. them back to his his hand, yeah. Let's wow. let's play Texas Flood. Texas Flood. Mm-hmm. 
like Stevie Ray reinvented the blues. The blue, like, yeah, dude, know? I'll take him over Clapton any day that we. I, I would too. Any yeah, of day, course. man. Any day. He was so clean, a... man. He just his playing so clean. His voice. He had he, such natural talent. He like, had a feeling for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Clapton's like, okay, he's from England, whatever. You know what I mean? But That's a great example. He is from England, and, and, and he's from Texas. And he's from Texas, man. He grew up in it. Like, he, he just has yeah. that feel, man. It's it's a part of him. It's, yeah, like, it just comes so naturally. Like, Clapton's imitating. Yeah, Clapton's, what, yeah, yeah. Clapton's working on it. You know, where he, it's just, just come naturally, it just man. Is. Yeah. You know? He's dude. Man, he he, he was unbelievable. The he, he's the best. He, he died way too young. I remember when he died. I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, he died in a helicopter. Yeah, was that like eighty eight or something yeah. like that? Man, flew was, into high tension wires. Yeah. The, um, what the story was, um, Clapton was supposed to be on that helicopter also, but Clapton said, "I'm going to catch the next the the next one." Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? It's hard to imagine just him that happening. To him imagine happening to both of them. When when I'm hearing all these newer guitar. Sounds, dude. We got to talk about Gary Clark. Jr. Sure, Gary Clark Jr. is great, man. I mean, he's it, like the most fresh. If anybody thing, reminds yeah. me of Hendrix, it's him. Yeah, yeah. he's a, dude. He's a monster. Let's play one. Let's play his song. Low down, Rolling Stone. I love it, man. It's got a yeah. like a gospel vibe to yeah. it, a blues vibe. Really good. I he, definitely have to make him part more part of my diet. He's like, definitely know. carrying the torch. Yeah, you know. Thank God, somebody is. It's like I hear him and I think to myself, you know what? Rock and roll is not dead. That's a good point. You know, I'd like to see that for him to re- this resurgent of rock and roll because I agree with you. Maybe it isn't dead. Like it kind of is, but hopefully he has something to do with bringing it back. Yeah, you've got. Stuff like KG Elephant, you know, is, is front I just and center. Don't get it. And then you got this guy making real fucking music and nobody's paying attention to it. I think people are paying attention to it, but it's people it's, are. I mean, it's age, not on people, the fucking radio. Yeah it's, yeah. it's not. Yeah. MMR doesn't even play a lot of Gary Clark Jr. I don't think they play any of them. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, people our age are listening to Gary Clark Jr. You know, but like the younger people, they're definitely not. They can't identify with anything that he's doing. You yeah. Know? Hopefully, maybe this turns you on. Hopefully he turns on some uh, some kid and makes him want to pick up a guitar and he'll be the next big thing. He's definitely like 10 worth, years from now. Definitely worth checking out. Really talented guy. Is that it? Well, we did, we just cover 150 years of music in we? like an hour and or two hours. Yeah. Wow. wow. Man, that was a lot. We did. It was, we moved pretty quickly through that. It was a good time with this. One. I did yeah. too. There's a couple people we didn't talk about. Yeah, like Johnny Winter. Yeah. Like he's definitely like big deal in my book. Bonnie Ray. Yeah. Janice. Taj Mahal. Yeah. Keb Mo. I like Keb Mo a lot. How about the ZZ Top? ZZ Tops and uh, yeah, John Mayer. John Mayer, John Mayer plays a lot of blues. blues. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we have some listener feedback. We actually got some feedback from our friends at Pantheon Podcast when we published the electric chair episode. They helped us out and they were uh, sharing it on so their social media. And they put a picture of Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit <laughs> and said that he needs to look out. And I was like, we totally forgot about Limp Biscuit and our electric yeah. chair episode. Dude, so how do we fuck that one? I don't know. But thanks for all of our friends at Pantheon. But um, speaking of Fred Durst, uh, HBO Max has a Woodstock 99 documentary coming on. And I hope they fucking trash him. Because we were he, there. We were, we were there. there. 
and I hope they, that blame, they blame him, him specifically. For most of the problems that they had, well, they ran that thing like shit too. But he could have helped that a lot, and but he's a piece of garbage. Yeah, yeah maybe when we swing back around and decide we're going to do another negative episode, maybe yeah. on new metal would be yeah, a yeah. good topic. Yeah. One other thing is, uh, yeah, Jackie from Seattle. We read some feedback from her on the air a couple weeks ago. We mailed her a couple stickers, and in return, she made some return address stickers for us with the Prisoners of Rock and Roll label on it. So, thanks, Jackie. We got it. Thank you, thank you, Jackie. Yeah, You're re- awesome. Really appreciate it, and uh, we've used them a couple times already. So now it is time for the electric chair, the segment where we sentence a song to death. We did a whole show about this last episode. It was so much fun. We got, was, dude, we got a lot of great comments about it. Dude, yeah. dude it I was, got a lot of like negative energy that I needed to let go in my life <laughs> in that um, episode. Yeah, it feels it good great. every once in yeah, a while. No, just, hey, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's my turn this week for the electric chair. Yeah. Well, the electric chair is sponsored by our friends at Lunacy Brewing Company at 1500 West Kings Highway in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. You can check them out on social media or at lunacybrewingcompany.com. And Ryan, it is your turn. Yeah, I just want to say hi to my boys at Lunacy. What's up, boys? This week is my turn for the electric chair, and I am picking anything by the Smiths <laughs> anything. or anything by Morrissey. Bruce, I'll let you pick a song. This is there is a light that will never go out only because I put in the Smith. And never Spotify heard it. And it's, 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 God, dude, I don't, what, what do people get out of it? I, why, why do they even like Mars? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And he's like, he's an asshole, dude. dude the fucking the, Simpsons did something, and they, he was just, like, just as nice, like it's nice to be relevant again. And then he's like, oh, I don't like this, and I don't like that. He's dude, a fucking he's asshole. Jerk. He won't like. He'll go to a venue, and if anybody in the venue is, is like the staff is like wearing leather or they're serving anything made with meat, he refuses to go on stage. So it's like, not only am I a vegan or a vegetarian or whatever he is, everybody but you're going to be one too. And whatever right. I think is what you think. Right. Let's yeah. kill this song. Yeah. All right. I, Fuck you, Marcy. Fuck you, you, Morrissey. You did a great thing. You yeah. fucking Ryan, you did a great thing. I never. I tried a couple times to get into their music, man. I Why? Just, I can't do there's it. Nothing, there's nothing what are you good gonna get about it. There's nothing good about it. Dude, the only people who like Morrissey are cat ladies, dude. <laughs> That's Kate about it. Bush motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So that's it for episode 21, man. If you want to hear more of the blues, we publish a playlist to go with every episode. It includes everything that we played today and even a bunch of we had a lot of stuff man that we didn't even get to we had a lot of musicians we didn't get to yeah but it's it's all on the playlist you know beyond that if you dig the show you can leave us a review or tell your friends about it you can check us out on facebook and twitter we're online at prisoners of rock and roll you can also shoot us an email prisoners of rock and roll at gmail.com and like i mentioned we are part of the pantheon podcast network they describe themselves as the mtv of podcasting and we're really proud to be a part of it and you can come visit us at mccusker's tavern yes i want to give the thanks to everybody at mccusker's for the support they've given us for the show everybody from rob alex joe andrew all you guys joe notes my boys um you guys are the greatest thank you um we have some pins that Tracy Root made for us. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. They look awesome. Thank you very fucking much. Awesome. Um, maybe if you're lucky, you can grab one. 
Stop by McCusker's, we'll get you one. Yeah, if you're in the Philadelphia area, stop on by. They're at the corner of 17th and Shunk, and chances are pretty good that you will see either Ryan or Doug there. Well, shit, chances are pretty good. You may see, see, all see me there. sitting on the other side of the bar as well. We are to, we're kicking around the idea, maybe doing a show I would live like that. from the bar. I think it'd be fun. I yeah. think we should advertise it. We yeah. should get, get people crowd. to show up. And we could just pick a topic where everybody can participate. Right on. So if you would like to be part of this, or you like this idea, let us know. Yeah, shoot us a note, man. I, I think, you know, we'll give it a shot. See what's, what's the worst that can beer, happen. Man. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. It doesn't work. So. We already did that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Well, that's it. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep on rocking. Peace out. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.